I am glad to see you all this morning. Are you all glad to be here? Yeah. Wow, that was good. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you don't get that kind of response, so I, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, uh, God made uh, two types of living beings on the earth, predators and prey. Now, I know that's, that's kind of simplistic, isn't it? But uh, we're in a time of year where one of the, where, where, where the, the, the prey that everybody's after is a turkey. Some of y'all are aware of that, right? Your husband disappeared. You don't know where he went. That's, uh, you know, maybe your wife. I was in the grocery store yesterday, and I saw this lady, head to toe in camo. And then her husband was there, head to toe. And I said, y'all kill any? No, not today. Didn't even hear one. Heard one faint. You know, got to talk to him a minute about it. And the reason I bring that up is because to be an effective turkey hunter, you have to know how to disappear. I mean, these guys can see like you would not believe. If you twitch, if you think about movement, if you look anything like not a bush or a tree or the ground, they're gone, okay? They're just going to put and gone, and you'll never see them again. And uh, that, that's an effective way of hunting, but did you understand that sometimes that transfers over into our life? Like, we want to disappear where we are. We don't want to draw attention to ourselves. Some of us have that nature. I'm a person like that. God called me to stand up here and everybody stare at me. And that just scares me to death, all right? I promise you, you know, I got to check everything, make sure I'm okay, you know. And it's just, it's nerve-wracking, really. It really is. People don't understand that, but if I'm not preaching out of the Bible, I can't do what I'm doing. I cannot do public speaking. Scares me to no end. So, uh, so that's kind of innate in us. So we try to get along in society. We try to not make ways. We try to blend in. And, and, and if you move to a new place, your language can betray you, right? If, if anybody's hearing me or watching this later on, we live in Stanton. Now, if you look for that on a map or Google it, you won't find it. Because it's spelled S-T-A-U-N-T-O-N. It spells Staunton, but I say ant, so this is real easy for me. You know, Anton is the end of Stanton, right? And then people say, no, it's aunt. Well, then this is Staunton if it's aunt. It's Stanton if it's aunt, right? See, some of y'all are offended. I didn't mean to offend you. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, I, in fact, right after we moved here, Jan, what do you want for your birthday? We went out to Monticello. I, I came with one of the kids on a field trip and I always wanted to go back. So we went out there and I saw this really tall uh, man talking to one of the ladies in costume and I thought I heard him say Columbia and, and I figured it's Columbia, South Carolina, the way he was dressed and he looked and I walked over and, and he, he, he was a, a, a African-American black gentleman from, from, from uh, South Carolina. I said, did you say Columbia, South Carolina? He said, I did. I said, I'm from South Carolina. He said, where are you from? I said, Charleston. He said, you don't talk that way. <laughs> I said, what, you want me to talk about it? Let's go down here to the garden, cruise around in here. And he said, okay, 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 you're from Charleston. <laughs> I said, I live in Virginia, man. I can't talk that way. Nobody knows what I'm saying. <laughs> we all want to kind of blend in. Peter is going to tell us today, don't try to blend in. Don't blend in. Let, let's read here in 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. 
Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Would you let me pray one more time? Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, we step into your presence, and there's so much in these two verses. Lord, I, I, I was going to pull out a lot more verses, but there's so much here. So help me to say what needs to be said. Keep my mouth quiet what does not need to be said. But Lord, for all of us, show us your word. We can't understand it without your help. I can't explain it. I can't understand it in myself. Uh, only your Holy Spirit can do that for us. So we ask you to do that for all of us as we look at it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Here, here's what I want you to take home with you today. If you go ahead and put that up there. Uh, a sentence says, living as, uh, well, we changed it a little. Next slide, please. Hello. It won't work. There it is. Being a stranger causes us to live a different kind of life. You may not understand, but in this text, it tells us to live like a stranger where you are. It's in the very first verse there in verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. And so he's going to call us to live a holy life. But how do we do that? How do we live a holy life? Well, we do that by remembering where we came from. Okay, and notice how he introduces that verse, verse 11 in our Bibles, verse 11. What is the first word there? Beloved, yes, beloved, loved by God would be a more literal translation of that. You can't go to a, 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 a place without knowing there's someone that loves you, that may have sent you there or, or is with you. Today, we can stay in touch so easily. We, it was a day when that wasn't possible. But when we, when we live here on earth, he calls us to live as exiles, as strangers, as sojourners. And we can only do that when we know that God's love is with us. Because if you understand God loves you and he's with you where you are, then that creates a desire in you to please him, right? If you were sent here on a mission, if you were sent here, and, and you could have been, by the way, sent here by your parents, that they lived here and you were born here and God sent you here, okay? It, it doesn't mean that you got to pack up and go somewhere else. If, it could be that God placed you here through your mom and dad, right? Okay, just make sure you hear me. Or some of us had to move to get here, right? Right? All right. So, no matter how you got there, we got to know the love of God because all of us who are believers in Jesus, the Bible says we are strangers, we are aliens, we are sojourners on this planet. No place here is home anymore for us. We long for a home that we have not seen yet. We long for a home that is somewhere else. In Hebrews 11, in the great hall of faith, it says these all were content to move out of where they lived because they were looking for the city whose builder and maker is God. And it was built without hands. He built that city. So all of us desire to get there. But notice, I want to talk a minute about living as exiles. That word means beside the house. You're outside of the house. You're no longer in it. You're outside of it. And so, if you're outside of the house, it, it, in this context, it means because you don't belong in the house anymore. 
That's not where you're supposed to be. And, and this verse or these words are found one other place in scripture. And it's Genesis 23, 4. When Abraham came to ask permission to bury Sarah in a land that was not his. And he said, here quoting, I am a sojourner and foreigner among you. He understood that he didn't belong in that place. That he was from somewhere else. And so, if we're going to live like exiles, we ought to be living as exiles. And you need to understand something. That the first way we do that is embrace the fact of, of our kingdom citizenship. We try to live here like we belong here. We try to fit in. We don't want to stir the waters. We don't want anybody to notice us. As Christians especially, I mean. I, what, what I mean by that is, when we say we're afraid to give a witness for God, it means that you fear men more than God. That you'd rather act like the world so you can blend in and get along. Unfortunately, that became a movement in the church. And the church started trying to blend in with those who are not part of the church. And so why would anybody want to be saved if we're just like them? Right? If God hasn't done something in our life to give us victory over sin and change our lives, why would anybody want to join with us? Because we're just like them. They already got that. They don't need that. And so we have to embrace that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is not on this earth. I am no longer a citizen of the United States of America. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom. Now, I have earthly legal citizenship in the United States of America, but this ain't my home. My home, I've yet to see. I long for a place I've never seen. You see, this world is not our home. And here, let me prove it for you a little bit. We worship heaven's king, right? We don't worship the president. Do you know that in Rome, they were put to death for atheism because they refused to worship the emperor as God? And so they were put to death for that. And yet, many times, we find ourselves not worshiping heaven's king, but an earthly king or president. We obey heaven's laws. Now, that doesn't give you the right to break man's laws here. Unless they are immoral and against God's kingdom laws, right? We don't kill babies. Do you understand that the Hebrew word for hell was Gehenna? And Gehenna was a place where they took their babies to sacrifice them and burn them to the great god Moloch. And it became a, a, a name for what hell will be like. We serve heaven's agenda. We don't serve our own agenda. We're not trying to make ourselves great. We are serving a heavenly agenda. And what is that heavenly agenda? It's to know God and make him known to all the world, right? It's very simple. We proclaim heaven's message. We tell them the only way to heaven is through Christ. It's not through Buddha, Muhammad, Allah. It's not through Kung Fu Se. It's not through Hinduism. And yet, we are seeing the movement politically around the globe and in North America where the religion you and I are a part of, and I hate to even use the word religion, but Christianity, it will be illegal. They arrest 
they've arrested pastors in Canada. In case you thought you had to go somewhere way far away, if you do the truth in Canada, you can be arrested. We proclaim heaven's message and we seek heaven's reward, not the reward of man. See, we don't belong here. And so you're going to look strange. You're going to be standing out like a sore thumb if you live like God wants you to live. And so he says that we, we begin this by understanding, because by the way, the rest of the chapter is how we, are, we have to be subject to man, men's laws. We have to be subject to one another. And there's a whole list there that we'll be looking at. But what he's telling us is when we do that, we do it with the understanding that I don't belong here. I'm doing this because this makes me able to live in this place so that I can testify of Christ. And so we do that as best we can. But we better keep the remembrance that when we die, we go home. And the only people sad about that are the ones we leave behind. But we will not be sad about that. And so what does he say in verse uh, 11? He goes on to say, To abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So what does it take for us to live a holy life? Here's what you have to do. The passions of the flesh have to be let go of. Now, when we read that, everybody has a different thought in their mind what that means. So I want to get us all on the same page. Because some people... Well, I won't say that. I would have a different view of that than you would. I'm not saying one of us is right, one of us is wrong. I'm just going to tell you what these words mean. Abstain. Now, first of all, I, let, me, let me define the word flesh. Because we think, oh, well, it, you know, flesh is this, this body. And that, that can be. But the New Testament always uses this word, Greek word, S-A-R-X, sarx. Uh, it uses this word to understand as Christians, the whole of our human existence. So everything about us is involved in our flesh because guess what this body was suited to do? Live on this planet. So the whole of my existence is my flesh. So my emotions, my, my will, my thinking, my body, everything belongs in a natural sense to this world. I can't live outside of this atmosphere. I can't live every spot on earth. There are two-thirds, at least, of this world where I cannot exist. It's called water. Right? But guess what? There are things God put in the water that he made to live there. Right? Okay, so you get the idea. So understanding that, he says, abstain from the passions of the flesh. And he says that war against our soul. I'll come back to that in just a minute. Let me just help you with the word abstain. It is not a mere rejection. It's a repudiation. It's not saying, I don't want to do that. It's saying, I will not do that. I won't do that. And it takes time with God to where you won't want to. I heard about a pastor. The first time he ever went to New York City, they showed him all around that night. He prayed, God, I thank you for everything I saw today. And I thank you. I didn't want any of it. That's, how, that's what this word means, to, to say, nope, no thank you, I'm good, I don't need that, I've got God, that's all I need. The grammar here points that it is a continued activity. It's a habit to you're going to live under God's will, not your own desires. 
here's a popular saying. People will do something, they'll do it wrong. You say, well, you know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't talk like that. You shouldn't act like that. And they'll say, well, that's just who I am. Well, that's a sorry excuse to be that way. So many times we use that as a defense about our sin, about what we shouldn't do. In fact, how many of you remember the great invitation hymn? If you understand those words, you remember. If you don't understand those words, let me explain them to you. At the end of church services, we give an invitation. And we usually sing a song. That song we sing at the end is called the Invitation Hymn. Dr. Billy Graham, when he was on earth doing crusades, it was always the same song. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. We come to God just as we are, but he changes who we are. Amen? You follow me? That's good. So, what is this sin? It's pride. All sin is pride. We see it in the garden in Genesis 3, 5. For God knows, is what it says, that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. This is what Satan said to Eve. God does not want you to be like him. He made us to reflect his glory back to him. God made man to be reflectors of God's glory. But pride says, I want the glory. Let me read where this originated. Isaiah 14, here's the the passage of Satan's fall. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I'll set my throne on high. I'll sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. This is a description of what Satan did when he rebelled against God. God made him the top spiritual being that he had created and that guy rebelled against the kingdom and that's a big deal and when God made man and he made earth that rebellious spirit came to that garden and said the same lie to them God doesn't want you to know what he knows which is not completely accurate you see the Christian life is not passive you can't just let go and let God it's very active and when I talk about this pride and the reflected glory of God now I'll say that in a minute let me just throw this in there it's not passive in Colossians 3 1 to 5 if then you've been raised with Christ set your affection seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. Galatians 2.20. I can't quote it because I'll quote what is not in the ESV. I, I memorized that in another Bible. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. And the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Abstaining from the passion is not just abstinence. It comes from the inside. It comes from our heart. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence for from it are the springs of life. The Bible says our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so... God instructs us to 
Turn our hearts toward God. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, the psalmist cries out, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God has to lead us in his way. Because this verse, verse 11, listen to the last phrase. Which wage war against your soul. I've painted the picture. Let me bring it down to a a point. God made us to reflect his glory. And when Adam ate of that tree, he was saying, I want the glory of God just like Satan wanted the glory of God. Do you know we see that today? And what I'm about to say, I'm not condemning any individuals, okay? I want to give you a principle because we all can be guilty of this and probably all have been guilty of this. But I will use as an example celebrities. I put it in quotes because I don't know who decides who's the celebrity. And so you can listen. I've heard them say it. Oh man, the first time I did that play in grammar school or high school or I sang that song and people told me how great I was, I just couldn't get enough and I wanted more. Instead of reflecting glory to God, they absorbed it. And when you got to be a big shot, that means you're in rebellion against God. Think about that. These passions of the flesh wage war against our soul. Because when we go and feed our flesh desires, what we're saying is, God, what you gave me isn't good enough. I want what I want, not what you want. By the way, we're in Revelation on Sunday nights. Last week we were in chapter 13 and chapter 14 tonight and actually 15 for those who are coming. Um, And in there, it talks about how in that time period, those who are believers in Christ will be put to death. And they are glorified, glorified by God because they love not their life to the death. But they stayed faithful to the end and said, here's an encouragement to you. (laughs) Wow, what an encouragement, right? No, it's a great encouragement. You can do what you want to this. I'm going to be with God. And that that is the attitude we have to have because when we want our way, we take glory away from God. So why do we live these holy lives? Why would we go through all this? Look at the second verse there, verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. When he used the word Gentiles, the New Testament way of saying sinners. Uh, and, and, you know, the Jews believed they were the people of God. They were uh, the people of God. Now, all who are in Christ are the people of God. And if you were a Gentile, it meant you weren't a Jew, so you were a sinner. You were outside the people of God. So it just became a way of saying, different way of saying sinner. I suspect everybody in here is a Gentile. If you are Jewish, I apologize. I understand you are Jewish and you're not one of, like me. But we are to conduct ourselves honorably. We are to be subject to authority, but we don't worship the authority. See, the rest of the chapter, subject yourself to kings. Subject yourself to, to your parents. Subject yourself to your boss. But we don't worship them. And if they lead us to go away from God, we have to say No. Well, it's going to cost you your job. Okay. It's going to cost you a relationship. Okay. It's going to cost you your life. Okay. Because I have to please God rather than men. That doesn't mean be a jerk, but it does mean we have to understand that and, and know that. And he says, do this so that when they speak against you. Now, what, 
What's an important word in there that we might miss in North America? When. <laughs> Didn't say if. When. You see, if you live like Christ wants you to live, you're going to get persecuted. Hebrews promises it, that all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And it doesn't matter if you're somewhere where persecution is rampant or here, you will face some level of persecution. And he says, but keep obeying Christ no matter what, even if it costs you your life, so that they can see those good works and they may repent and be saved themselves. Until we're willing to give our own life to see one lost person saved, we're not really ready. We'll do it if it's convenient. We'll do it if it doesn't cost me anything. Just last week I was reading when David was trying to stop the plague that God had brought on Israel because of his sin. And he came to this one man who had a, a, a threshing floor and a farm and he said I need your threshing floor I need this I need to build an altar here and make a sacrifice the guy said take it it's yours I'll give you the cow I'll give you the everything you need he said I will not offer a sacrifice to God that costs me nothing and he paid him for it all and we we go oh now great yeah you ought to pay your way no that's not what he's saying what he's saying is if that'll be your sacrifice if you just give it to me it's got to be my sacrifice and until you're willing to pay the price of living for Christ like that, we're not really ready. It says, so when they speak against you as evildoers, and they will, they accuse the early Christians of, of awful sins that I won't even say in here because we got young to old in here. Why, why did they do that? Because they were moved by Satan to do that. Christians have been being persecuted since the beginning. And he said, but they, they say it, but when they see you, they see you're not doing bad things, you're doing good things. They may see your good works and glorify God in the day of visitation. Now catch how he put that. What is the day of visitation? It's, it's the judgment. When he comes back and visits man, right? And so judgment is coming. And our prayer is they might be converted as a kid I, I read the book run baby run a story of Nikki Cruz and then the cross and the switchblade and that was the preacher's side of it and run baby run was the gang member side of it a guy named David Wilkerson moved to New York I believe it's in the 50s because he read about gang violence and he went to witness these gangs and he and he did and one in particular a guy named Nikki Cruz he was the worst guy and he went after him and in the movie, in the dramatization of all this, Nicky Cruz takes out a switchblade, puts it to his throat and says, if you say Jesus to me one more time, I will kill you. I will cut you to pieces. And he said, Nicky, you can cut me into a million pieces and every piece will still cry out, God loves you. Are you willing to do that? I wonder if I am. I'm not sure I am sometimes. But that's what Peter's calling us to. He's calling us to strip off our camouflage and come out as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what can we do about it? Remember that a holy life is intentional. It doesn't just happen. 
You don't just become a Christian and start hanging out and all this good stuff happens. Secondly, we are to reflect, not absorb God's glory. Anytime somebody compliments you, say thank you, that's fine. Don't, you know, don't, don't be a jerk about that either. Oh, well, I appreciate that. But to God be the glory. God enabled me. God gave me that. God provided the opportunity. It's not what we did. And, and all of us are subject to want to take God's glory. Because we need him. And then to realize that our mission is to live a holy life. Because it will result in the salvation of sinners. That's our goal, isn't it? If that's not your goal, you're just taking up space. Because this is the reason God saved you. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're just taking up God's good air. This is why he left us here.